Hello, 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 and welcome to the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we watch a movie and then pretend like we could do any better. <laughs> uh, my, my name's Sam, and are you with me, or do you need me to draw it in crayon like usual, Ross? <laughs> and I'm Ross. Why didn't you put the bunny in the box? <laughs> that accent. Bit, oh, oh, bit, my I've been working, on it, been working on that Alabama It's. I, I can tell. I can tell, Ross. It's fantastic. Yes, welcome to this podcast where we watch a movie and then talk about it. Uh, my name's Sam, as I've mentioned, and today we are missing we are missing one of our fellow convicts who is um, currently trying to escape from a different type of prison than, than this podcast would otherwise uh, set him up as. We are here. We, we are here, we're here today to talk about Con Air, which is a great Nicolas Cage movie. Sorry, it's a Nicolas Cage movie. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> uh, my our condolences. Well, this is this is the ultimate cage match, and by match I mean movie. But I think match sounds a lot better. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna coin that right now. Uh, cage match. That's cage this match. Is. This is Nicolas Cage and his wig versus himself. <laughs> that. Magnificent men. It was. It I know. I know. It's. It's one of those things that I think is like singular in movies. You know, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> his hair, just that that slow motion, watching it furl in the wind. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful and thing. That and that scene. I think we're talking about the exact same scenes, well, Sam, because the hair is putting on a performance throughout the whole movie. But there's a point where. Uh, there's a scene where he's he's getting out of the prison for the first time, and there's a there's a stiff breeze that caresses him, and he he moves his head, <laughs> looks into it. It is amazing. It is amazing. This is this is a um, a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. We've done quite a lot of these. We've done The Rock, yes, and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Like I think we 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 like these type of movies because you know what. You can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong with a Jerry Bruckheimer. Whatever explosions. you say about them, they are entertaining. And mm-hmm. you, you won't be bored. No, you don't have time to be bored. The, the <laughs> film does not give you a single second of, of flab. There is nothing in this movie, uh, with, within reason, there's maybe one scene I want to talk about, that doesn't need to be there. You know, and we're, mm-hmm. we're just under two hours, which yeah. is, it's not 90 minutes, but we'll take it. We will take it. Like, that's I mean, fine. In, in one of our true sort of, uh, you know, I, I was going to say habits, let's say, you know, cornerstones of our of our broadcasting styles. As soon as I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, well, you better deliver, Conair. And it does. Fair yeah. play. Yeah. Have you, had you seen this before? It, it, this was one of those movies where, you know, throughout my childhood and adolescence, it was one of those things where I never watched it beginning to end. It was always one of those movies on, you know, it's a, it's a Thursday night and it's it's the it's the nine o'clock movie on RTE two. That's an Irish television channel for those of you outside of Era. Um, weird, was, <laughs> weird, yes. Um, and it was it was always one of those movies that you'd catch maybe you know you'd catch the the, the middle part of it or you'd catch you know the the second half and you'd always watch. It. I never watched it in one sitting until last night. Wow. Wow. Well, I think it is. Mm. It is one of those films. I think that is just probably on TV all the time because it's like a. You can't go wrong with this, can you? Exactly. You can't yeah, go wrong. People are going to tune in definitely. And just with, you know, just to expand on that point as well, and it was because I never watched this movie in its entirety before. I, I mentioned to you before, Sam. When I put it on last night, it was on you know Disney Plus as part of the Stars thing. Um, Disney Plus, uh, subscribe now. Disney, give us money. Um, <laughs> yes. 
Airpace. Um, and I put it on, and I was, like five minutes in, I was certain I put on the wrong movie. Because the second scene you see is Nicolas Cage, and then it's, but it's this scene set to the song, How Do I Live Without You? And I was, <laughs> and there's a, this emotional, you know, beautiful song, How Do I Live Without And I was like, this isn't Con Air. <laughs> I don't remember this in Con Air. Where am, I, people... am I watching, uh, like, what's the other one that he's in? Uh, Captain Mandolin, whatever that one is. Like, <laughs> Why you know, am I so... watching that on ice? Yeah, that nice, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so in Con Air, we see a newly paroled ex-con and former US Ranger Cameron Poe find himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passengers seize control. Um, this is quite a good, like, maybe not a bottle movie necessarily, but it has it has a feel of that, doesn't it? Of them kind of, definitely, you know, yeah, get getting from A to B on this plane and all the shit that happens in between. Um, I have to, I have to say, um, I might be going off piece a bit here, Sam, but near the end of this movie, I was getting sort of the similar vibes that we got, you know, from Speed, where you know it has that bottle movie feel. And then the movie ends, you know, where there's a, a, a fire truck chase scene, and I was like, "How did we, how did we get from a tr- prisoner transport to, you know, flat, you know, racing down the streets of Las Vegas?" What not a complaint, yeah. not a complaint, but just I got, you know, I was getting similar sort of comparisons there. It it, it really does. It's one of those movies that I think that it's like everything needs to escalate. And so <laughs> even when you think you've seen it all, like the the movie says, "Oh, just wait." Just wait, we're going to trash a hotel in real life. That's what's going to happen. That's, that's the thing, though. Like, and I agree, yeah, things need to escalate. Yes, true. I'm not sure hijacking, you know, uh, a prisoner transport plane, I'm not sure the next step up then is steal a fire truck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you've got to set up the bad guys. Yes, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Of before. Yeah, we are. We are. What I want to, what I want to start off with is... Um, 1997 in film because this is this is an amazing year this is an amazing year um, obviously take me down memory lane Sam well first, firstly let's talk about the absolute just uh, monumental change that we saw in cinema that came out after this movie just completely blew everyone away there's just I mean no one had ever seen anything like this before of mm-hmm. course it was Tomorrow Never Dies no it wasn't it was Titanic that's what I'm talking about which which grossed 1.8 billion US dollars in 1997 which is crazy it's crazy God. yeah yeah so, so much so that even this film which I think um, it made 224 million in the box office didn't even scrape the top 10 <laughs> of, of highest grossing <laughs> movies for 97 um, we've got Air you- Force One in there we've got Fifth Element which is a great movie Yes, so um, it's it's like a real year for movies. I think it's it's incredible that though, like you know, that the sort of comparatively the box office was so low when when you take into account you know our, our earlier our first conversation about how much this movie was aired on TV and and the sort of the cultural popularity of this movie you know with 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 the public and mm-hmm. the but but it's not yeah. reflected in the box office. No, no. I think it, I think it's I think it had a budget of seventy five. So it's not you know with marketing like it might not be that close, but it's Lucrative, at least profitable yeah. probably. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, but I just think it's a. I always like obviously we love the nineties. That is where we're safe and happy and warm, and we will and we will always come <laughs> it's back that to it. Even warm though, fuzzy feeling of television, isn't it, or movies? 
Uh huh. Uh huh. This is what we're. This is what we're all about. So, this is yeah. This is a is a Nick Cage movie. It's also got like quite a lot of big actors in it. We've got John Cusack mm-hmm. playing uh, one of the most boring characters in the world. I think we've, we've got Gene Hackman, aka Colin Meany. Yeah, can I explain that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I confess to Sam that up until my second, uh, my first sort of full-length viewing of Con Air, up until last night, I thought it was Gene Hackman who plays the role of Agent Duncan Malloy <laughs> when it was Colin Meany. Um, I extend my heartfelt apologies to both Colin Meany and Gene Hackman. Well, but, I, I think it's. I think he. I think he looks like a squashed Gene Hackman. <laughs> like if you put his head in a, in a vice and just sort of pressed it down a little bit, I goes remember, sideways. Well, yeah. I remember saying to you and Dave too, oh, Gene Hackman, the guy never ages. I remember thinking, God, he looked great in Conair. Wasn't in Conair. <laughs> yeah, after our <laughs> uh, French Connection um, episode last week. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. The. Um, Colomini, obviously, and I'm going to refer to him as this going forward, is Chief O'Brien. <laughs> like, that's where you're not a Star Trek fan, Ross, to your absolute shame and uh, disgrace. But I, I do think that, that that's just the role that he's he's going for. Mm-hmm. In You know, in this, he is fucking insane. He is off the wall, like, unhinged. I think, he, I think he needs a psych evaluation, genuinely. I think, you know, he, he had a partner who died or something in the past, and this guy yeah. hasn't been right since. He literally says, I'm going to cr-. He says, I think of um, John Cusack's character, let me just crush his larynx. With like, my boot. F- yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You're insane. Whoa. That's insane. Whoa. That's, that's quite the escalation there, <laughs> Agent Malloy. Maybe, maybe yeah. oh, I'm going to punch yeah. this guy in the face. No, you're going to crush his larynx. Cool. Okay. Let's, uh, and, let's have and, a chat. Let's have a chat. Is there the animals okay? on the plane? You're the fucking lunatic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's maybe go through some of the plot, and then we can get into the rest of the cast. Um, sure. The uh, like, I think the the start of this movie is good framing. It is a really is a really good opening twenty minutes because mm-hmm. from from minute one where we get to see this this like montage of marines getting killed, you know, for their service or whatever. Yep. To. Um, <laughs> you mean the 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 forty second advert segment for for the army? Yeah. Join the Marines, Marines pay us. Because yeah, we had that like with The Rock as well, where we sort of like, we were discussing how like the US military just gave them jets and tanks and stuff to use. And they were like, yep, army, give us money. And they got yeah. it for free. But yeah, and that was Jerry Buckheimer as well. Yeah, he's he's got a massive hard-on for the military. And I think later on we do get to see loads of soldiers um, getting, you know, killed Pasted. by baddies, which is probably... Yeah. They're allowed to, to do that. So I imagine there's some under underhand government funding to promote the military in this, as usual. Of course. Jerry yeah. But from the first, from that scene, and then we get to see Cameron Poe, you know, like defending himself, but then he gets put down. He has the worst lawyer in the world. <laughs> he like, really does. I just want to say... Um, yeah, sorry, Tom. You continue with the lawyer because I really want to talk about the, that that segment in a second. Yeah, well, just just because he's oh yeah, just you know, like admit to manslaughter, you'll get four years. You maybe serve one, and the judge is like ten years. Tom, <laughs> well, he's like, yeah, you're a deadly you, weapon. You, you will serve seven minimum. Whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> it's um, like fuck you, lawyer. Right, go like, on. I, I just want to say, like, not in maybe, maybe I'm a bit harsh here, but I don't think any court in America would be like, oh, a U.S. veteran always defend himself. 
fucking hang-drawn quarter this guy. He is going down. That just wouldn't happen. And it doesn't happen like in public court either because they have like courts for military. Like whether it's like civilian or not because they think like civilian courts aren't equipped to deal with, you know, soldiers yeah. that may be dealing with PTSD, whatever. But yeah, that lawyer where he's like, plead guilty, I'm not guilty. Well, then your lawyer will be like, okay, well, let's see what we can do here. Just <laughs> and terrible the, advice. The terrible worst lawyer advice. I ever saw. Yeah, I know. I know. I completely condemned him. He's he's done. Yeah. Flush. <laughs> but but I mean, there's some there's the, 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 there's the letter writing, which is like a civil war American civil war documentary. You know, like yeah. eighteen eight seventh of October eighteen forty four, and you just like uh, you it's know, been a harsh winter. Exactly. <laughs> Crop I am looking forward to seeing you. To- I slapped you. This is just Tyson. Excellent accent, Sam. I'm loving <laughs> Thank it. you. Thank you. I, I, I think I can extend maybe one more word beyond what I just did there. Was <laughs> yeah. five words and then it's all going to fall apart. Just a couple of syllables. Just all you got to do. Just add syllables to every sort of word. <laughs> yeah, Dearest good. Casey. <laughs> Welcome to us practicing <laughs> accents for, two, yeah. for, for an hour and a half. Um so there's that bit, but then you know, like it's amazing, and this is—I think this is a real testament to the structure of this movie. I think the screenplay is excellent because within 20 minutes, I, I yeah. paused the film and wrote down the the, the, the timestamp. I think it's like 20 minutes and 45 seconds or something. John Malkovich is taking the needles out of his hand and unlocking it. It's like 20 minutes. They are in the movie. They are they are straight to the premise of bad guys take over a plane and that's what you want that's what you want from mm-hmm. a film like this you don't want to have any chance to think and there's no mis- fat in those scenes it's 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 very the time is used really well isn't it it really is it really is mm. and and then we get and then and it's i think from here this is just how we get this great escalating stakes of like then this is going to happen then this is going to happen and we're just going to keep building and building and building until you know it all pay off, crescendos yeah. it's yeah. a great way as well of how they this you know this way of like you know showing this is the guy's story now this is what's happening and you're about to you know to the shit's about to hit the fan the last sort of like you know five minutes of that segment it was a great way as well of introducing you know the cast and who you should be paying attention to mm-hmm. um, yes because that's where you yes. see that's where you meet John Malkovich who's playing Cyrus the Virus <laughs> Dave Chappelle who's playing a character called Pinball um, inexplicably these names <laughs> I, let's just run through a few so we've got cyrus the virus which is uh, some of these thing. prison names are a bit weird <laughs> it's later on one the pilot says to nick cage where's the virus and you're like you, no one's calling him that like out See, of context at least. This, this is the thing though if you're going to give someone a name like you know cyrus the virus have their <clears throat> Have their criminal background, you know. You know he's a hacker. He, you know, hacked the Pentagon and dropped a virus. Or yeah. he's a biological terrorist, something like that. There. What's he done? Always killed people. Oh, and and we call him the virus because his name rhymes with <laughs> Cyrus. Rhymes with Cyrus. I mean, yeah, it's like we couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> so we've got Cyrus the virus. We've let's got not forget. Billy. Sorry, Sam. Let's not forget. Go before you go on to the next villain, let's not forget. <laughs> Do you remember the name of Nick Cage's sort of cellmate? Oh, yes, go, go. Baby-o. Baby-o. <laughs> now, I'm not making light of assault, but that guy's getting raped in jail. If you've got a name, <laughs> name Baby-o, 
it's curtains for you, my friend. It doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't roll. It doesn't so we've roll. got Baby O, we've got Cyrus Tavares, we've got Billy Bedlam, Diamond Dog, <laughs> Pinball, Sally Can't Dance, um, Garland Green, Steve Shemi. We've also got Johnny Twenty Three, Swamp Thing, and I think that's that 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 tops off our list of of names. Swamp Thing. <laughs> I know. I think that's the pilot. Is it Swamp Thing? I don't yeah, know. he's he's the he's the prisoner pilot they get at at the transfer in Carson City. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Mm. But let's talk about John Malkovich a minute because this is a guy who obviously is a very very good actor. Is he's incredible. He's great. He's probably like slumming it a little bit. I think in this movie, mm. like in terms of yeah. where he's at, you know, the the kind of the deep, impactful intellectual movies that he's been in, and now he's in, he's in this Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, <laughs> Do you know plane what? fire. I, I <laughs> literal plane fire. I think um, I, I I'd agree with you, but I think this I think this role it looks as though he just had fun. Just playing this and just seeing what he can say, get away with it, just to play a you know a deranged, you know, or mentally deranged criminal, you know. And he seems yeah. to be having fun with it. Like you know, there's some lines that are that are fantastic and you know and funny and entertaining, you know, for a criminal. And then there's some lines as well that just don't hit the mark. Like later on, there's a scene between him and Nick Cage where Nick Cage says, "Oh, my daddy taught me, you know, many hands make a lot work." Um. Doing, I'm I'm swapping back and forth from Nick Cage from Con Air and Kevin Spacey from House of Cards. Anyway, <laughs> it's good. Keep going, pal. Yeah. And but um, uh, John Malkovich replies, "Oh, you know what my daddy taught me? Nothing." I just, yeah, that doesn't. Yeah. Quite, they're not quite hitting the mark as some of your other lines, John. I do. I do like uh, Cage's comeback though. It's oh, it's a self-made man. It's like that's that's fast thinking. <laughs> Yeah. To keep him on your side, like that works exactly. Well yeah, he he's um I think he yeah Malkovich really raises the game. He raises the level that we're talking about in this movie because otherwise, like you you kind of need that um you need that evil genius thing going on, which is very mm-hmm. tropey. But I think it does work because all of the other characters are stupid as fuck. <laughs> like every single one of them is just yeah, he's just brain dead. Other than Cage, really. I mean, not just the prisoners, but you know the the authorities in this as well are are uh, you know. Lacking in the intelligence department, um, just to derail it another little bit, Sam. When we're having the setup scene that we've just talked about, <clears throat> and they're saying, "Okay, the prisoners are on board," um, and you know, and they have they have a US, uh, they have a DEA agent who's undercover, and they say, "No, you can't have a gun. The only guns on this plane are, you know, a gun in the lockbox in the cockpit." Okay, good, fair enough. Yep. And then there's like thirty assault weapons <laughs> in the cargo hold. <laughs> An there, entire arsenal. Yeah, there there are six guards, but there's thirty fucking weapons. It's 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 the pure stupidity of this film. In in, and again, when you when you actually think about it, you're like, what the? Yeah, f- how did that it. get through? You know, like so many. But but obviously they need they need the guns later on because they need to have that shootout. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But you've hit the nail on the head there, Sam, and, and you know we we we've dallied on this point long enough but I'll just say you hit the nail on the head when you said if you don't stop to think it's you know this movie's fantastic you pull on the you know the the smallest thread and it unravels very quickly doesn't it mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely so, so uh, speaking of things unraveling when, <laughs> when when they're in so they get they manage to get in the air they manage to take over the plane now this whole process is is wild. I think it's wild that they managed to do this so easily. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they overpower the guards. 
within seconds, within seconds, and they managed to have, um, they managed to get release everyone. Now, number one, I'm designing a prison aircraft. You know, I'm want, I want everyone secured. And I even want some people who are going to be so secure that they're in their own cage yeah. inside a cage inside a plane. <laughs> like that's that's thirty thousand feet in the air. Do not, and this is to any future designers out there. Do not design this this plane with a, a single switch that opens up all the cages. <laughs> like please, like what are we doing? I what mean, are we doing? See, see that that's a valid point, Sam. Again, this is one of those threads. It all fell apart for me when it was, you know, when the pilots there. Oh, get the gun out of the lockbox. Number one, your pilots. This isn't your job. Yeah. Number you two, I'm pretty sure, like, the rule would be, if anything goes wrong, do not open the door. The prisoners will, you know, will, will destroy you. Do you know yep. what I mean? So I have a hard time sort of, what, you know, sort of understanding, why on earth would you leave the cockpit? Mm-hmm. Why would you leave mm-hmm. that ever, for whatever yeah. circumstance? Because if that, the guards are that, in trouble, you're not going to help. Yeah, and that really reflects the pre-9-11 <laughs> world. Yeah. Yes, we got it in there. We mentioned 9-11 every episode. <laughs> The That's real pre come get living me. in, yeah. Because in if if you did this in, um, you know, like post and eleven, the, the rules are you never open the door. You know, they have yeah. codes, they have secret passwords, they have the whole thing is completely and utterly like secured so that it doesn't happen. Whereas I think because we haven't had that tragedy yet, America's mm-hmm. like it's fine. We'll just get the pilots back with no training to well, it, shoot. Well, it actually. Them. Um, sorry to contradict you here, Sam. It didn't. Go, it wasn't because of that. It actually came in um, a couple of years later when you know the one when there was other uh, sort of yeah, like the shoe bombing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's when they introduced the, the 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 cockpit thing. But again, I would sort of argue, wouldn't the person designing this, you know, and the protocols, wouldn't that be for for a prison transport? Never leave the cockpit. You know, no. no. And it's just it's a litany of failings. Like as much as. Yeah. Um, Chief O'Brien is, you know, utterly deranged. He's also correct in that, oh my God, the parole board fucked up so badly. They say they fucked up so badly here that this is what's happened, that we've allowed, that these people have allowed um, to to take over this plane. Like, it's Mm. wild. It is wild. (laughs) Yeah. So, a couple of small... I was really impressed with, you know, the, the, the method to which they took over the plane. You know where Dave Chappelle has like swallowed like that little pouch with the kerosene and the match, yeah. And he's and he's pulling that out of his gullet. That was harrowing <laughs> and also impressive to watch. Yeah, it's 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 one of those. Um, it's like when he when he says to the guy, "I hope you don't hold a grudge," <laughs> and you're like, "What's he going to do?" You know, especially the first time you watch this, so like, "What the hell? What is that?" And then he sprays it all over him. You see the match, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> this guy's done. Yeah. yeah, that is really fucked up. So the convicts one, have taken over, Sam. Go ahead. Well, the convicts have taken over, and this is where we, we get one of the weirder choices from the convicts of the movie, I think, is that they basically they kill one of the pilots and then instruct the other pilot to fly them as planned to Carson City. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand they're going to pick up their mates. I understand there's like a plan here. Mm-hmm. But this seems to be super, super high risk. Like... A ridiculous level of risk, I think. What? So, um, first of all, yes, absolutely. But the plan is, um, because in Carson City, the, the whole plan is, the reason John Malkovich took over the plane or orchestrated this this takeover was that he's been hired by a uh, character, Sindino, who's a, like a South American drug lord. 
Yeah, which you never do, see, do you? Never no, no, he, he's one of the guys he picks up in Carson City. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, he's sitting in the front, isn't he? Right, yeah. Okay. So the, the plan was always to go to Carson City. So that holds, that, that, that holds firm. Here's the thread where it unravels. Because, you know, before the land, the, the pilot tells him, oh, there's a major sandstorm. And he's like, oh, brilliant. Now, bearing in mind that they've shot three of the prisoners that were supposed to get off the plane for the transfer. So if it wasn't for that sandstorm, they're done. But luck would have it, and they can get through. So the, all the prisoners are, they replace the, the dead prisoners with guards, swap the uniforms, they're fine. And then they do things where, and, the, and it acts as though this has always been the plan, where they remove the, the black box, the transponder. And, you know, Dave Chappelle's character goes off to plant it somewhere in another plane. But they 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 act as though this was always the plan. But if it wasn't for the sandstorm, that they never would have been able to do that. Because you see a guy you know, drop out of the bottom of a plane running across the tarmac. So, on one hand, they're saying, oh, this sandstorm is a stroke of good luck. On the other hand, they're saying, yep, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're counting on this sandstorm so we can get rid of the black box. Uh, it, um, it's... It's all, and he's planned this. He's planned this because yes. he's an evil genius. Mm-hmm. We planned this from the beginning. Like he's got the stuff in his cell. Like all of that is just very. It's like, True. Wow. The the plot demands it, so we will get there. We will get there. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's um. There's one small pedant cast thing that I'd like to touch on. Planes have transponders. Yes, that's fine. And you can't mm-hmm. like. It doesn't really work that you would just take a transponder from a plane and put it in another plane, and that would work. Yeah. Like, I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's called the black box, but it's not like it's not like a lunchbox that you can just yeah. lift up. The, the whole thing's kind of integrated. You couldn't read that, but either way, that's fine. So they put it in there, and then they send the transponder somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But like, there is there are things that pilots could do. There's a there's a thing called a squawk code, which is like a like a bit like a radio um, signal thing. If they set it to squawk seven five zero zero, that basically means that I'm being hijacked or there's a problem. Oh. So this, like, the, the pilots could have done that pretty quickly, and it would have been picked up fairly quickly, I think. To, to but anyway, ped and cast over. I didn't know that. It, That's you know, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the, I'm a richer man for knowing that. There we go. There we go. But but there's there's lots of things in this movies that are like that where you kind of think, in real life, that wouldn't work. It doesn't really, to, to the movie's credit though, I don't think it actually hurts it that much because you, you kind of, again, you don't have much time to think. and Exactly. It sets its own rules and it kind of follows its own rules as well, which is always a good thing in a film, I think. No, oh, absolutely. Um, and, and then, of course, then it, it allows the, the, the stakes to be raised again because where Gene Hackman or Captain, what's his name from Star Trek? Chief O'Brien. <laughs> Chief O'Brien. Bracken, Brian, Chief Bracken, <laughs> Chief O'Hackman. Um, they get in there. They use like Apache helicopters and they go chase this old like you know tour guide airplane, you know, which lets the prisoners you know escape a bit. Um, and so things are looking, they're looking pretty good for the prisoners, on, and they mm-hmm. need to get to this uh, this old deserted airfield. Um, so they've lost the cops. They're on the airfield now. They managed to get to this airfield where. The original plan was Sindino, the guy they broke out, was going to have another plane waiting for them to take them to South America. Yes, yes. It, again, it's 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 quite complicated, isn't it? <laughs> and you do think they could have maybe they could have maybe got rid of the Carson City thing, like just have everyone on the plane that he yeah. wants there, you know. Yeah. But I suppose it's I suppose it's another bit where you have the sandstorm stuff, and I imagine they really wanted to do that. And, and to be fair. 
that sound some scene is amazing. The tension is great. It's a pretty you know, yeah. When, it's pretty. When Nick Cage is looking out the window at the bus, waiting for them to realise that these guys who are, who have the spit hoods on and they've got their mouth taped mm-hmm. and the hoods, yeah, they're 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 not actually the prisoners. And you can see him the bus stops, and you're like, come on, come on! Like it's <laughs> it is really engaging. The best thing is if it wasn't for that wanton display of you know uh you know prisoner guard assault where a prison guard uses the butt of his weapon and slams into the chest of a man who is bound gagged and tied to the chair fucking wild <laughs> just, and he hit the, the the recording case which is what tipped them off thank god that that guy you know is a you know an abusive an angry individual. Otherwise, yeah. he might have got away with it. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, it's a shame he beat. A bit. He beat his own prison guard. It's like it's a shame he beat anyone. <laughs> yeah. No. He should not have this job. <laughs> he should be a prisoner. You know, like <laughs> fucking hell. The whole film is like a proper. Um, God, the, the the prison industrial complex in America is terrifying. Oh. Like, it's just terrifying. It, it, but and, you know, again, you know, sidetracking, but like the attitude as well. Like some politicians and even some some of the public, like even even in the UK, but like uh, you know, we, we see a lot of in America where, like you know, they're in favour of the death penalty and and things like that. And even when they've they've been shown that you know that a uh, you know a, 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 a considerable percentage of people who have been like convicted to the, of the death penalty they've later been exonerated as innocent and that doesn't deter people and even like you know politicians are like no kill him You're like well but you might be killing the wrong person but yeah. but there's no but like there's that mentality is it well if they're in prison they must have deserved it yeah and yeah. It, it's terrifying honestly and I think actually most people are are Chief O'Brien, aren't they? In this, they 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 have that attitude of look at these animals, look at this scum. Yeah. Like it's like fucking hell. Let's just turn it down a little bit. Do you the, know the, 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 sorry, sorry, just sorry. the amount of troops, the amount of troops that they have, the amount of guards they have, the amount of guns, dogs, you know, dogs with bees in their mouths. Like the the whole thing is just is just is just nuts. Except except. It evidently wasn't enough <laughs> because <laughs> they managed to get away with it. So you're like, okay, so maybe we should have more, g- more, more d- guns. dogs with no, bees in their mouths. Guns. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a wild thing, isn't it? It's a wild thing. So after we get lots of stuff on the plane, don't we? We get lots of like shouting and people getting shot and people getting shivved and putting like, the bunny back in the box, yeah. The bunny back in the box. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. That is one of those. When I watched it with Nicholas, she was like, "Oh, the bunny thing," and I was like, "What?" what, what I couldn't remember. And then <laughs> when it came up, she was like, "That's the bunny thing." I was like, "Oh, bunny put, set up and pay off. Love it. Love it." <laughs> yes. Um. So, so just to elaborate on the bunny thing. So Nick, Nick Cage, he's he's opted to stay on the plane. He had an opportunity to get off at the transfer, but he decided to stay because his friend um with the extraordinarily tough name baby o um is is diabetic and he's unwell so he decided to stay on the plane i'll never sure. leave a man behind <laughs> i'll never leave a man behind thank you sam and also there was a free female prison guard who's in danger of being um, assaulted by um what, what's his name johnny 23 yeah and i don't love that no i don't love that like bit forced 
It's, it's it's she's a woman, so she's going to be raped. I just think it's like, come on, we don't need that in movies. We really it doesn't. It's unnecessary, but I guess that's not true. Ideas, so. I, I think, I, yeah, I would agree with unnecessary. But the larger problem I have as well is, and I hope I'm not getting on my soapbox here, though, uh, is that she is kept on the plane, or she she's inexplicably kept on the plane other times when they get rid of guards. So the transfer, yeah, they had to keep her because there were no women prisoners. But the other times when they lock the guards in a shed, so they leave some of the guards on the airfield, but they always mm. keep her handcuffed inside the plane, and there's no reason other than, you know, to have that scene where Johnny 23 is about to assault her. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just, it's a little bit, it's just very, like, exploitative, isn't it? And just yeah. not... Yeah, not 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 particularly of taste, and maybe that we're looking at from a twenty twenty one point of view, sure. Well, which is, yeah, yeah. ninety seven is a long time ago. In that, in that <laughs> and, thing. and and she is the other reason why Nick Cage stayed on the plane to make sure that she uh, she is also safe. Um, and so the the other prisoners they begin to question why Nick Cage would stay on the plane when he originally opted to get off. This um, sparks. I question the, that too. I I was like. So you talk about how much you want to see your daughter for the first time, which is <laughs> stupid in itself, but that's fine because she's like six. Get off the plane, sorry, baby O. Yeah, just you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish you a speedy recovery. Although uh, I'm pretty sure we know it won't be. Um. So B- Billy Bedlam, that's the character, isn't it? Is suspecting Nick Cage, and he somehow knows to go into the cargo hold where personal effects are, and he also knows somehow which personal effects box is um, Nick Cage's um, finds out he, f- he finds his pardon letter and of course Nick Cage follows him into the cargo hold he knows he's been rumbled and then uh, uh, Bedlam is holding the bunny rabbit that Nick Cage got for his daughter that he's going to meet on July 14th um, <laughs> and then we have that iconic line where Cage confronts Billy Bedlam and he says put the bunny back in the box <laughs> And he doesn't put the bunny back in the box. Then they have this, uh, you know, this weird crouching fight. I don't know how you felt about <laughs> this. It's very awkward looking. But I, there was one scene where it was like it could have been a scene from Broke Back Mountain. Um, Billy Bedlam was hunched over Nick Cage, um, and Nick Cage raised his hips to hit Billy Bedlam's back off the roof of the cargo hold. It just looked like a really awkward fight scene. Not awkward as in uncomfortable. Awkward as in, what do you guys think attacks are? What do you yeah. think a punch is? What do you think a kick is? Because none of this I, is. I that. think it's because of the height of the roof. Like I think if. Oh no, I get uh, that. But but but, but, but <laughs> why not just make it higher? Like you're not filming this on a real plane. This is a sat- just make it full height, and then you're fine. Like you don't. Mm. No one's got to question that. No. And then these actors can actually move around a little bit, you know. It looks weird. And at the, end, at the end of this fight then, um, he somehow impales Billy Bedlam on a pipe that's hissing out um, some sort of gas. This has no effect on the structural integrity of the plane for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that worry, I was like, is that brake fluid? What is that? Don't worry about it. Yeah, ignore it. Um, and then once he's impaled on that, Nick Cage has that 90s... 90s movie sort of like last one liner why didn't you put the bunny back in the box he just murdered someone he just <laughs> murdered someone and he's just like straight in there with the quips you know and this guy's a marine but he's not a murderer you know he he admitted yeah. to manslaughter even though he was defending he, he says himself. that very thing in the next scene i'm not a murderer well you just you killed a guy and then you asked him why he didn't put the stuffed bunny rabbit in your box 
maybe relax. Yeah, and he was a bad guy, but still, like, come on, mm. come on. Uh, it's very, it's, 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 it's a stretch, I think, isn't it? Yeah. But there's, there's lots of things, there's lots of things like that, which is, it's so tropey for that '90s action movie. Like, this is, this is what we're here for, and you kind of don't mind a lot of it. You don't no. mind a lot of it because it, again, it fits in the universe of the movie, and we're all, we're all kind of there to, to, to know, you know, we all know what to expect. And we're also laughing at it as well. We spend yeah. a lot of the time just laughing at this movie. We're not here know. for the Da Vinci Code, you know. We're, we're not here to think. <laughs> I love how the Da Vinci Code is the idea of your thinking man. <laughs> Fuck movie you, sir. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We're not here to watch, you know, mathematics with Sam. I don't know what fucking Citizen Kane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. Um, I don't know where we are, but let's talk about Steve Buscemi. Who is a great actor? Love Steve Buscemi. Love him in this. Love the restraints. Love the Hannibal Lecter thing. Mm. All of it's beautiful. K- kind of weird. The scene with the, with the girl is kind of weird. Like I don't really get all of that stuff. You know, when they land and he kind of walks off and uh, has this. I think this is one of the very. Sorry to interrupt you, Sam. I think this is one of the very few scenes where it's kind of not necessary, and I'll explain why. For one, you know, he's supposed to be this, you know, this insane serial killer. And if you're going to have that scene, he should kill the girl. Now, let me clarify that with that scene. No, no, let me, let me. (laughs) Right. Right Interesting take. That's this this guy right here. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, now, if that did happen, that scene would be much, much, much too heavy for this movie. However, I think Agreed. that's... That, yeah, okay, just, just so you know where I'm at, Sam. However, I think that's it, it's still warranted when there was a preceding scene before that where Steve Buscemi describes to Nick Cage how he killed a little girl before and wore her head as a hat through three states. Yeah. Now, again, this is one of those things where it's okay to say something like that in an action movie, but you wouldn't show it. And so, when I, so that's what I mean by... If you cut this scene, you could still have the preceding scene where he talks about how the, some of the gruesome stuff he does, and then you don't have a following scene then where it doesn't sort of marry up with his character. And mm-hmm. then, you, because then at the end of the movie, spoilers by the way, you know, the, one of the very last scenes is, oh, you see that Steve Buscemi has actually escaped. And so you could get that thing, oh God, what's he going to do now? But you sort of get, I sort of got the feeling that because he, because he didn't kill that little girl, by the way, I'm not in the... I'm not advocating for the murder of little children. <laughs> yep, this guy, right? Here, this, this way. <laughs> He's oh, a dad. Just, just let me. Um, be, but because he didn't kill that girl, you know, I sort of felt like, oh, this guy is actually uh, not redeemed, but he's he's being made better in some way. So I don't. I, I think that final scene at the end of the movie then loses some of its power or impact because he's 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 not this deranged murderer that he himself even portrays himself to be and the movie portrays him to be yeah even though he definitely is this is the problem it's like they're trying to they're trying to give this guy some kind of redemption arc yeah and yeah. he's killed 30 people including a girl who he wore on his head in the car <laughs> wore her head like, as a hat <laughs> like that is like, a descriptor f- it's it's just a weird choice it's a weird choice to focus so much time on redeeming this guy by him not ha- by not killing the girl by not doing yeah anything particularly evil he's he's quite like he's quite urbane and witty and he has all these mm. lines and everyone's looking at him like he's a weirdo like 
So this is this is the hero we want to get behind <laughs> alongside Nick Cage. Yeah. This guy. Is, is okay. there going to be a sequel right, where these guys buddy up? What am I? What, what do you want from me here? Yeah. But, and, please, and, and please, Steve. We're not eating anyone today. Like, just stop <laughs> yeah. it. Just stop. And, it. That, and that's that's the only thing. I'm that's the only point I'm making is because he's he's made out to be such a a badass, you know, sort of deranged killer. If you got rid of that scene. It would be much more impactful at the end then, because I'm repeating myself now, but at the end you would get that feeling as if, oh God, yeah, he's going to do some serious stuff now he's out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is, it's, yeah, I know it, it. It would it would make more sense. I think as well, like they they're they're trying to give they are trying to give most of these characters some kind of arc, which is mm-hmm. commendable because there's quite a lot of people going. We got like we haven't talked about Danny Trejo and all you know, all of the other um, people in the movie who are kind of. You know, kind of like doing their own individual things, and then we we see them all get either knocked off or, you know, disp- disposed of in in some manner. Um, mm-hmm. But it, so it, it does kind of work. But I definitely think this is get rid of that scene. I think it's sloppy. I think it's the only sloppy scene in the film. Really, everything else kind of works. But yeah, that thing, yeah. I just think absolutely it's fine. Absolutely. Get rid of it. Um, but Steve Buscemi, like you say, Sam, he he's fantastic in it, and again. It's it's he, he chews the scenery a little bit, and he does that so well by you know he's he's not very physical, you know like most of his scenes is him sat down strapped to a chair, but he's very he's very imposing in what he does say. Yeah, I think Steve Buscemi as a, as a person makes me believe anything's possible. If that guy <laughs> and nothing nothing with him, I'm no I'm no you know flower. If that guy can become an actor and get all that all that all those movies all those roles. Yeah. You can do anything. You can believe in yourself. You know, it's okay. <laughs> Dare Steve Buscemi is a successful actor. You can do whatever you want. That's that's the bar. <laughs> that's amazing. What, a, what <clears> so an we land an inspirational we... message from Sam. <laughs> <laughs> if Steve Buscemi can do it, you sure as shit can too. You sure you can get that job. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> um so we land we land at this at this airport. Now I just want to put a shout out to look to the um the location team here because i think the scouting of this is amazing like it looks it looks so good mm-hmm. so good um i think it's where is it now it's in it's Lerner utah airfield. i think okay sorry you also oh, you meant in real life right yeah so it's, i think it's wendover airport in utah um which is you know just mm-hmm. these this miles and miles of salt flats and do you know what it, remi- just, do you know what it reminded me of? Um, you, you've played Grand Theft Auto. You, uh, have you played Grand Theft Auto San Andreas? Yes. You know that old airfield in the desert that you buy? Mm-hmm. It, and mm-hmm. Because it, it, it has the boneyard as well of all those discarded planes. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Loved it. Yeah. It, it is amazing. I, I couldn't see if the boneyard was a set or if that was part of Or if the, that's actually of, part of it, yeah. Of, of Wendover Airport. I'm not... I couldn't really tell. It, it's not clear, but... It's definitely. It looks. It just looks brilliant, doesn't it? It looks mm-hmm. brilliant, and I think I just love. I love all of the, the the dust picking up, and you know, there's all these like shacks everywhere. The whole thing just looks so desolate. And the I think sheer, they even said they the sheer volume of accumulated sweat on the actors' backs. You know, you see them wearing shirts, <laughs> and you just see like these wet patches going down. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> like, I'm expecting you to come to me with a fun fact now, Sammy. Tell me, it was actually freezing in the desert, like Predator, and they had to apply the sweat from the production team. I, I, I cannot confirm that, but I, I imagine, yeah, it does look very authentic, though, doesn't it? I think Utah is pretty hot, so yeah, 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 probably that would that would work out. It checks out. 
But this is where we get one of the, we get a big kind of set piece. We get the raid. Mm-hmm. You know, as usual, the military is pretty shit. <laughs> it's pretty shit. You know, when it comes to we're going to assault this base. There's loads of prisoners in there. We we presume they have weapons because for should some we surround them? No, let's attack them in a straight line. Okay, cool. Yeah, through a narrow gully that's going to artificially bottleneck us. You know, like. We we could go around it in, because there are literally hundreds of miles of yeah. open space around us, and we could even use helicopters because we seem to have quite a lot of those. You know, you see Hueys and attack helicopters, and mm. I mean, no expense is spared in terms of trying to chase this plane. Like they do not give a shit about money. I also wonder where are they? Where who who's in charge of this? Where's the jurisdiction for this? Because we've got the DEA, yeah. Uh, and we've got, we've got the U.S. Marshal Service, you know, for, led by John Cusack, uh-huh. who we haven't talked about because he is just a boring, boring character. Yeah. Um, Although I do have something to say about his character. Right, we'll circle back. To, no, well, no, no. It, it can wait to the end. But go on. What you're saying? Um, yeah, it's just like I just said. I feel like there should be some authority here. Like maybe the president should be involved in, the, <laughs> in, the, in these decisions. Can we shoot down this? This? Um, this like a plane full of prisoners. You know, are we allowed to do that? Chief O'Brien is well up for it. You know, he is. He is just barking orders at this guy. Chief Hackman. Yeah, he is. Chief, yeah, Gene. Yeah, he he doesn't give a shit. He is going for it. Whereas everyone else is a little bit more reserved, but not yeah. really that much. So we'll come to that bit later because that comes later. Where um, <laughs> um, he is very much of a shoot first, ask later. Throw the missiles first and then ask maybe, um, but they're on the deserted <laughs> airfield, um, and this is where they're expecting now to get the plane from Johnny Sandino, who hired John Malkovich, Cyrus the Virus. Um, middle, middle, middle. Sandino was planning to betray them, and he splits off from the crew in his own plane, and that crashes. So now the prisoners are now trying to pull the plane out of like, you know, they've, they've bogged themselves down into the desert sand. So they're pulling that out so they can take off again. And all the while the military is enclosing on them. So then they plan this, this, uh, what's, what's it called, Sam? Like a, a pincer attack or a, yeah. a, a, an ambush. Again, the army does not, I think, excel in this point. <laughs> like, this is where we should be really thinking about some kind of like, you know, again, helicopters, maybe a pincer attack, as you say, Ross. Maybe we don't just funnel through this fucking boneyard. Like, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And it's also not particularly effective from the um, the prisoner's point of view. Like, they should just be focused on getting the hell out of there. I don't know why they even try and attack these guys, because it ends up with a lot of them dying, and well, I mean, what's the purpose? I, I, I can they want to get away. Uh, logic a little bit. Well, I say logic, you know... Uh, Generously, um, I think it's because you know when they see the the because like you say they're coming off on a straight road so they can stay off in the distance so they know they've got about ten minutes um, before they're here so they're using that time to a pull the plane out so it can you know be maneuvered for the runway and b like prep their their sort of their ambush for when they do arrive because they won't be able to take off you know they'll be upon them before. You know, before they get, uh, you know, in the plane to take off. So I think that's the logic they're employing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, on the face of it, yeah, okay, yeah, that checks out. When you begin to go, well, hang on a minute. No, 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 don't think. Don't, don't think. think. <laughs> Just move on. Move on. It doesn't last that long. Trust me. It doesn't last yeah. that long. 
There's there's lots of middling here. And this isn't there? this and is don't... where we get as well where you know what I mentioned at the start of this podcast where John Malkovich he's got the only gun on the plane apparently, which is the plane that was in the lockbox in the cockpit which should never have left. You never leave the cockpit anyway. Um, <laughs> and then there's an ex- there's a lock on the outside of the plane. He uses that gun to shoot off the lock, and then they get into this storage where there are literally. And like I said, thirty weapons, and I meant thirty weapons of each type, because they pull out shot- <laughs> they pull out shotguns like M4 assault rifles, and then uh, one of the characters, Remy Vines, is that his name? Um, yeah, Diamond Dog, which I love that character name by the way. And um, yep. he has a grenade launcher, <laughs> so I can maybe stretch my imagination. Okay, they'll need shotguns, you know, maybe you know, riot control, you know, if they load it with bean bags and stuff. Yeah, M4 assault rifles. Sure, if someone makes a run, maybe they need to do a long shot. In what universe do you need an M79 rock like grenade launcher for for prison transfer? I think I think this plane was was off to Iraq for Desert Storm. Just just you know, hours yeah. after it landed. Oh, uh, in, just you saying in, that sound reminds me of that scene, you know, one of those episodes in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Dennis is running to be controller, and like an old lady asks him, what do you think we should do with uh, prisoners? Well, I think we should, uh, you know, arm them, send them off to Iraq, let them fight the wars for us. <laughs> I think he just stumbled upon America's plan. Yeah, well, but I mean, that kind of, I mean, that, that is true, except I think the less prisoners, more poor people with no other option is the american way of i mean doing those two aren't the... necessarily exclusive at the moment <laughs> but anyway no, moving no. on yeah absolutely yeah but i'm just thinking in what scenario are you imagining yeah we better have we better have the grenade launcher just in case that happens what what happens <laughs> anyway. i mean maybe for gas like maybe for tear gas or something but even then it's very tired it's tired. it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> really make any sense it doesn't. yeah but just like keep moving don't worry about it because we're on don't to the next think scene. don't you dare think we're on to the next scene, which is the plane taking off with yeah. the car. So I mean, they get rid of the prisoners, is... and now they're taking off. And yeah, so like you say, Sam, they're taking off with a car that has somehow the car attached. To this. <laughs> so there's there's two things actually. There's two things. There's the car, and there's also this crane thing. Now, because uh, so it's actually really quite complicated, but it works on screen again. Credit to the screen mm-hmm. to the, to the screenwriters for, for for making this succinct, and I think it all works fairly well. The editing's logical; everything makes sense. But there's the 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 Colombians or whoever they are are trying to take off in the in the jet, yeah, and with with a speed which I think is extraordinary. <laughs> John Cusack managed to get he, this is his one action thing that he gets to do really. He get he jumps inside this crane, which number one has the keys in. <laughs> number two, John Cusack knows how to operate it. Now I've been inside a crane, right? They yeah. are quite complicated. There's about six levers. Some of them do different things, you know, in, in not in a way that you would expect. It's not like an Xbox controller. No. So he knows how to operate it. Maybe it was like really, really like labelled well. <laughs> you know? A Press label, here to save yeah, the yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's that's what it needs for John Cusack, the boringest character in the world. So no, so number one, it has the keys in. Number two, knows how to operate it. Number three, he can operate it with a speed of literally he, a, a a jet. He timed it perfectly, didn't he? Timed it perfectly. To take the wing off. Sorry, like Sam. So Sorry, Sam. I'm afraid I'm going to have to interrupt you here, and we're going to have to wind the tape back because... Because leading up to this scene, I don't know if you remember when they started the jet, the the engines on this jet. John Cusack was behind 
one of the engines where it where it came out flames came out the back and it blew him back with enough force by the way if something hits you off the ground with enough force um you know something like an engine or sound or an explosion you know or the the force of an engine if it's enough to lift you off the ground your eardrums are shattered they are gone you are deaf yeah, <laughs> yeah. done never mind set on fire which he is slightly I, I didn't check it either. I should have I should have paid attention. But he gets like a burn on his shirt. There's a like scorch a, a on his shirt. Yeah. By the, yeah. I haven't checked I'm, it. And not a perfectly formed circle through his fucking chest cavity. I know, I know. But I haven't checked it, but I'm sure that that does not. I'm sure continuity falls apart and that is not in it later on. <laughs> Prove me wrong, movie. Maybe change his shirt. Maybe change his yeah. shirt. But yes. I'm, I'm never watching this again, then, so I, I won't find out. But. And then, with that jet taking off, he manages to outrun it to get into a crane that's in front of it, and then, like you've said, Sam, he, you know, the keys aren't in it. He knows exactly how to operate it, and then continue. Go ahead, Sam. Other things happen, which I can't really remember. But it's it's just all of these sequences. They, they take off, and there's this plane. There's this plane taking off with a car, you know, literally just like just flying around. Just, just it's not a Jerry Bruckheimer film. Unless you have a pristine, gorgeous car getting absolutely trashed. Yeah, I do love it. I, I think it's great, actually. And I, and I, the bit where it lands in front of because um, we had them. we had the Lamborghini in the Rock, didn't we? And and the yes, Humvee Sean Connery was driving. Um, I mean, yeah. Gone in sixty seconds, another Jerry Bruckheimer and Nick Cage movie. That, like the amount of cars that get trashed in that is unreal. That's um, just that's half the budget. Is these? <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. Skipping ahead a little bit to Vegas, and let's talk about Vegas next, then we can wrap up. But sure. Um, the, the Christ oh, well, hang on. Before we get to, I'm, I'm sorry, Sam. But before we get to Vegas, so yeah, they're in the air, and now this is where Captain Hackman is you know, he's in the helicopter. John Cusack's in the helicopter. <laughs> they're having this lovers' quarrel across fucking helicopter radio about whether or not to shoot it. And it's like, um, no, don't shoot it. No, that's my plane. Fuck your plane. I'm shooting this down. Shoots it shoots it with bullets, so like an engine blown, and then they get on the radio. Hey, you guys, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, maybe shoot first, ask questions, never, and then, is, is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ask questions, maybe. Um, <laughs> but then, whilst this is happening outside the plane, then we have where, you know, John Malkovich, uh, Cyrus the Virus, he has sort of pieced together, there's a traitor in the midst, and he's pieced together that it's um, Nick Cage's character, uh, Ranger Poe, we'll call him, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and basically, there's this brilliant bit. I say brilliant; it's brilliantly tragic, where um, John Malkovich is holding this bunny rabbit, you know, the same bunny that Billy Bedlam had the misfortune of handling, and Nick Cage. They're confronting each other, and then there's a backdrop where John Malkovich turns to Nick Cage and says. You know, make a make a move, and the bunny gets it, holding the gun up to the stuffed bunny rabbit, and you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense in the movie that we're presented with. You know, I mean, this is the level that we're working at, and yeah. the film doesn't care. And it does and, not care. And during this sequence, um, John Malkovich has shot Nick Cage's dear friend Baby O. Terrible name. And then so, and then John Malkovich. I'm, I'm I'm all over the place here, but I am getting to a point. Then John Malkovich decides to have a gunfight with the Apache helicopters. I don't know if they're Apache, but with the helicopters that are shooting at the plane. And he calls to Diamond Dog to come to the car to the back of the plane to help him. They have handguns and they're trying to shoot down helicopters. 
whilst that's going on... <laughs> Take a breath. Take yeah, a breath. Yeah, yeah. Nick Cage and the female guard, um, played by Rachel... I remember her first name. I can't remember her surname. Her first name is Rachel, and I think I've done well there. Um, yeah. And basically, they're tending to, to Baby O, who's been shot in the chest... And he's having this existential crisis because he's near death, which, which okay, fair enough. Bit heavy for a Jerry Bruckheimer film, but okay. And he's like, I'm wondering if God even exists. <laughs> and then Nick Cage gets up. And baby goes, where are you going? And the best fucking line. He goes, amazing. I'm going to show you God does exist. And then he proceeds to beat the shit out of some prisoners. Get shot in the arm. Doesn't even falter him. Doesn't even move his arm. He takes a shot, keeps moving like he's the fucking Terminator. Um, <laughs> that god line, that god line, that is like, this is a movie for the Midwest. This is America. Oh, America. Oh, yeah. This, we are going to have, this is we're going to have every single, the only every thing, single one of those patriots crying their eyes out. The only thing missing, God is here. The only thing missing from that line was like when he goes, I'm going to show you God does exist. Eagle cry. Yeah. <laughs> do you not think though? Do you not think there's some scenes later on? I think maybe just right after this, where like Nicholas Cage is lit from behind with this like glowing ethereal light. He's got the hair, you know. Yeah. He's there's know there's things going, going on. There's a real messianic yeah. Jesus thing going on yeah. here. I think. I knew it. With Nick Cage, Nick Cage is God. That's what he's saying. That's, that's what the movie is saying. He's Jesus Christ yeah. come again. That's that's exactly yeah, hundred percent. Um, Bow down to the Satan if it is <laughs> he has come. Nicolas Cage. Um, so then, yeah, now we're, now we're in middle, 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 and now we're in we're we're about to land over Vegas. I'm not sure we have enough time left in the evening to just really make um, <laughs> to deconstruct all this. To deconstruct. I mean, again, as you said before, we've we've had all of the movie, we've had all the cool stuff. We think, right, great, brilliant. You know, like oh, what, they're going to just crash, and then that'll be the end, and it'll be fantastic, and it'll be great. See, so they and they do crash. They do crash. They crash in Vegas, which is mm, okay. You know, like that's okay. That's fine. That makes sense. But you mm-hmm. know, it's it's a it's a big thing. It's a big thing to crash into last on the strip as well. You know. Yeah. This is where I want to draw attention. Amy had this brilliant point where all through the movie we're sort of being led to sort of feel that uh, Captain Hackman's character is he's too brash you know he's, he's he, he he means well but he's too brash um that's not what I got from him but I think that's what they're trying to portray but I do think he had the right call when when they knew the prisoners were flying it that they should have shot down the plane because the risk is too great they're in an aircraft you know and then you get to that point then where they're about to you know they're in Vegas they can't make it to the aer- airport and they're going to have to land in the strip and the carnage you see where they touch down the strip, like countless lives ended there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? This is all yeah. oh brilliant, you know, he saves the day. No, there's at least six, seven hundred people who lost their lives instantly because <laughs> because John Cusack had a hard on for fucking Poe. For, for for smashing this, you know what's funny though as well. I don't, I don't know if you because I, I I've never been to Vegas, but I I thought hmm, I'm just going to look at this. Do you know where McCarran International Airport is? It's three miles away from the Las Vegas Strip. Like, <laughs> it is, it, it, you know, this is a plane that's got, yeah, it's got some fuel problems and there's the engine out and all that. Planes can go pretty far. They can go pretty far, like just coasting. Like they don't they don't need to have an engine really. They can glide. They can, yeah. Any pilot would be able to get. So the fact that they even chose to land 
on. I know it's a movie, but for yeah. fuck's sake, do, just do, do give you know, us a better do, excuse. Do you know what else is um, three miles outside of Vegas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me, let, the desert. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes three miles in every fucking direction. <laughs> Oh, we need. It's like it's like that bit in uh, in Speed where they after after three and a half hours they decide. Oh, we should go to the airport. That's got lots of land that we could just drive around endlessly until we figure this out, couldn't we? And why could, didn't we think of this earlier? You could even disregard yeah. that. Well, maybe it was too late. But they did it forty five minutes earlier. They landed in yeah. the desert. You can do it once when you need to keep to use it again. You can do it a second time when you're not bothered about if it makes it. So you, you got this. You yeah, got don't this. worry. Yeah. So then they land. So they, go on, Tom. Yeah. Well, th- this landing is cool. Like the whole thing is very cool, and I think because they were going to, um, I think it's a Sands Hotel, which was going to be demolished. Oh. Uh, in, in, in anyway, and so they basically said, "Brilliant, we can go and blow up the front of this of this um, of this hotel, and it'll look fine." The problem for me is it doesn't. Like, all of this doesn't actually look that cool. It all feels very self-contained. You don't really get any big shots of, like... Uh, I agree. A, a, the, you know, the, an aerial shot or any kind of scale or context, whereas it all just feels like it could have just been a set and that would be fine. Yeah, I, I would agree that. And, like, although I did say, you know, you know, loads of people would have died from this, that's if you're scrutinising it, you know, and if you're making an effort to, to look into that level of detail. But you're right, Sam, it, it doesn't feel impactful, does it? And you just think, oh, well, it, 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 oh, get my words out. It feels like, you know, a scene by numbers. Okay, we're going to mm-hmm. crash. Car's going to explode. We're going to hit this building. A propeller that, here, here's one thing that I read that I noticed as well. Did you notice when they were going, they were, you know, going down the strip and then the wings are sheared off by the lampposts? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then, so then about two minutes later, they're about to crash into this casino and then a propeller from somewhere <laughs> comes out of nowhere and then cuts through the plane yeah <laughs> just where did that come from what is i i thought I, I again i'd seen this before but not for a very long time i thought does that like slice malkovich in half because he needs to have a good death and we'll, let's come mm. to that in a second he needs to have a good death but it doesn't it just kind of and i presume i presume it's because they they wanted to have the, the plane open so that in the later shots they have a, a set which is yeah. just the the front fuselage of the plane, you know. Like so, the whole it I does feel yeah. like mm, how do we how do we like how do we do this? And then someone else goes, yeah, but how do we explain it? And then they went, explain it. <laughs> Shut up, get out. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> um, Shut the fuck up, Ben. As um, as as, as, <laughs> as he yeah. said to Ben Stiller, I'm again. Uh-huh. So, so this whole thing, and again, um, Malkovich needs to have a really good death. He has yeah. to have a good death, and he has to it has to be an earned death as well. Like because he, there's a bit where he says, you know, the last thing your daughter's gonna gonna smell is my stinking breath. You're like, oh, that's just that's awful. a great line. That is a great line. That is that is a, a terrifying sort of line. Do you know what I mean for someone to hear? So, Sam, you mentioned obviously that you know Malkovich needs a good death. Do do you think this was delivered on in the movie? I think so. I think I think all the preceding stuff with the fire truck, and like, <laughs> the, the, I mean, how how Nick Cage manages to get this this stick through his leg when he's hanging upside down with one hand, and then he manages to have enough force to bring it all the way through, like 
it's wild. And I think you, the build-up is enough because he is so evil. He's so evil. In yeah. this. And I think you have to have, you know, when they get to the crushing scene, what is that machine for? Who Thank put it you. there? Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense at all. Well, like, because it, it, it's, it seems like it's some sort of oil rig, which, you know, it seems to be, like, within a mile of the Las Vegas Strip. And, like, I don't know of many refineries that operate that that close but like, but it's visually fucking hell. That you know, it it, it ends with a, with an exclamation mark. But I don't know why it's there. <laughs> no, no, and I think it sums up this type of movie, though, doesn't it? Which is, <laughs> fuck you. You'll watch it. You'll enjoy it. And the whole time, you, you're laughing at the film, and the film kind of knows that. And I think, yeah. I think the self awareness of this movie is enough to kind of make you forgive because it's it's kind of harmless and it's charming and really. All they want you to do is to sit down and turn your brain off for two hours. And that film, you know, and and this death is a perfect example of there's no reason for that to be there. And the way that he falls into it, all of it, none of it makes sense. Position But it's satisfying because he's evil. (laughs) Yeah. He was going to murder a child. He's fine. The other character that was going to murder a child, don't worry about him. He's free. (laughs) (laughs) He's good. He's reformed somehow. (laughs) Yeah. He'll only kill like four or five more people in the next three weeks don't you think know. don't you dare think <laughs> fuck you it's Jerry Bruckheimer movie <laughs> that is the way it goes yeah yeah I th- and I think, but no I, I think do like a, this I think that's a great place to end it isn't it you know it's it, it everything wraps up into that neat little bow that, that and, and that's what you get from 90s movies isn't it yeah yeah this is a good film this is this is like it's stupid but it's well made stupid which mm-hmm. I think we've had film uh, speeds like that as well you know where it's you kind of don't really you shouldn't think about it too much, and if you do, that's when it falls apart. But it's enjoyable. You can't really say, you can't really complain. You know, you know what you're getting into, which I think is maybe some of the problem with movies is that expectation is versus reality thing. Whereas this yeah. doesn't have that. This is like you're, you're okay. You'll 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 give the movie a gap. You'll give the movie a little <laughs> bit of space because you know what it's doing, and so does it. You know, that's that's a good place to be. Absolutely. And like you know, we, we I've mentioned before how oh, it's one of those movies where you know you watch. I've picked it up from halfway through, and and, and that's what the, that's how good this movie is. It's one of those ones where you don't need to watch from the start. You know, if you've never seen it before, you can pick it up from any point. Where, oh, okay, I know, I I know what's going on here. I know yeah. who I'm rooting for. Cool, let's yeah. watch. Two act, one hour and and thirty seven minutes in. Good guy, bad guy. They're on a plane. That's enough. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm yep, good. Sweet. I can that, sit down and enjoy that's, this. That's what it is. Ends. Yeah, yeah. It ends with John Malkovich being crushed by an inexplicable crusher, <laughs> and I'm happy. And I'm happy with that. It's all good. right. I think we're on to final thoughts then, Sam. I'll, I'll let you go first, and then you want to get off your chest. No, I mean, I pretty much sum up my 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 general my general thought here. Fifty six percent Rotten Tomatoes, not beloved, bit not harsh, a beloved movie. Bit harsh, you know. I think I think for what it is, like it's it's fine, and and really just like I don't I don't see any I don't see the, I don't see why you'd hate this. Mm. That's the thing. I don't see why you'd hate it. Whereas lots of movies where I've just hated every single second of it because it just doesn't respect you. Whereas this film, it's it, it doesn't know, respect it's itself. Like, yeah. <laughs> But it knows it doesn't, and that's the important thing. Exactly. So I think it's a wee bit mean, fifty six percent. I I do too. And like just on final thoughts, like you know, we we said it's enjoyable. You can watch it. I watched this, and immediately the next uh, suggestion on Disney Plus that came up was Gone in sixty seconds, and, and I was oh, 
another Nick Cage and Jerry Bruckheimer film. <laughs> Let's buckle in, guys. I'm in. Yeah. We're doing that soon. We are doing that soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Disney pay me money. Hopefully. Please, please, yeah, Disney pay us, thank you. <laughs> um, we will be bought by the mouse for any cost. Uh, hopefully when we when we do do that film we'll be joined by our esteemable well moderately esteemable colleague yeah, um, I could take him or leave him yeah I think I actually Ross I think we'd, we've had fun here we could just we could just have our own spin-off podcast where we can break away you know it could be our little oh definitely I mean like e- easier thing. thing is just kick Dave off do you know what I mean let him spin off he's, he's yeah. going to be the failure yeah, and we can take all of the profits, all of the millions and millions of pounds in profits that we are making right now Ooh, and just enjoy it for ourselves. That's sweet, sweet yeah. podcast money. Mm-hmm. Until I get rid of you, Ross, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's send it there. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with probably something else from the 90s. Let's just be honest. Bye. Let's just be honest. <laughs>